It's the times. Times. Um, okay, yeah, I think I'm recording. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Songwriting Saves the World. Today we have a really special guest, Shamir, who we're super excited to have on the podcast. We have a little like intro for you, a little bio, so everyone knows. Um, Shamir is an incredible singer, songwriter, and actor. He's released numerous albums, such as Ratchet, Revelations, Resolution, BDE, Here Comes the Hot, and most recently, Cataclysm. He's opened for Marina and the Diamonds and Troy Savon, and we're just big fans so thank, thank you. you so much for coming on no thank you for having me i'm super excited <laughs> we have a little icebreaker like introduction game which is basically the uh-huh. musical version of f mary kill and it's called right toward tank but just like a water- <laughs> wait, 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 wait. right or tank right tour no so you can write with someone you can tour with someone which is strictly touring oh. Or uh-huh. tank, which you like throw them in a water tank. tank. Yes. Tank them. Like a water oh, tank. Okay. Water tank at right. a carnival. Okay. Yes. Got it. <laughs> so the three mm-hmm. options are Daniel Johnson, Nina Simone, mm-hmm. and Justin Ooh. Tranter. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Were, were these options like perfectly picked for me? Yes. I mean, we try to yeah. we try to do our research. Some digging. You know? I love that. Whoa. Okay. It's so funny because I actually just did a Zoom with Justin Tranter. Oh, wow. Um, and met him a few times. You know, I think, first of all, I would love to write with either of them. Mm-hmm. This is so hard. Mm-hmm. Ah! <laughs> I have to take one of them. Yeah, but it's like a water tank, like a festival yeah, game. But it's it's like a yeah, fun carnival game. It's like, it's ha-ha, fine. remember the one time you wanted a carnival tank? Yeah, I put you in a water tank. Well, I'm definitely not taking Nina Simone, so that's out of the question. Right, that's fair. I'll I'll take um let's just say I'll take Justin just because he's the youngest, <laughs> he's the most spry, he's the only one alive first and foremost. Fair. Um, yeah, I'll guess I'll write with Nina because I just feel like Daniel. I mean, first of all, they both are mentally ill. But I feel like Daniel just might be the hardest to write with. I feel like writing for him is a very like right. solitary, you know, his own world situation. So I will love that to make sense. Them. I think that would be lit. So yeah, a good yeah. time, fun. Okay, perfect, perfect answers for the <laughs> game. Okay, can you start with just like a background of your musical journey and like a summary of how you got to where well, you are? Yeah. Um, so I guess like the earliest memory of music for me is Nina Simone, actually. Um, hmm. My mom was would like you know, like listen to her while I was like while well, she was like still pregnant with me, like you know while I was like still in the womb. So, uh, um, yeah. So I just I guess like the earliest moment that I remember hearing Nina Simone and almost felt reminiscent in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And that was why. Um, yeah, that kind of yeah. runs deep. It's like you're hearing it before you even yeah. came yeah, to this world. Yeah, I love that. I think that definitely uh, set the taste for for me. So I I thank my mother for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had just <laughs> she had just heard heard her in this movie. I forget which movie, but it was like in this old '90s movie. And um, yeah, but I was just like I just became obsessed after that. Um, mm-hmm. and then. I guess that's when I realized that I wanted to sing after I heard Nina Simone. And then I realized I wanted to write mm-hmm. 
when my aunt, so early on in my life, very, very early on, like, um, from basically like baby to like first grade, actually second grade, mm-hmm. um, it was my mom, my mom's a twin. So, um, it was my mom, her twin, and then my mom's twin son. Mm-hmm. And we all lived together in a house. Oh, cool. And that was kind of like my earliest upbringing. And it was really cool because they were like young. My mom had me at 19. Um, so, yeah. Wow. So they were like young and would have, you know, their little 20 something year old parties. Mm-hmm. And my early, <laughs> you know, I learned how to talk to adults before I learned how to talk to kids my age. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. uh, my aunt specifically, she had a bunch of musician friends that she like was just friends with, and she always wrote poetry and stuff like that. But she didn't know how to play anything or was like musically inclined. Mm-hmm. So she had a group of friends mm-hmm. that would take her poems and turn them into songs. That's so cool. Oh, so cool. I would like sit in on those sessions. Oh, good friends. Yeah, it was just like really cool. So I think just <laughs> watching the songwriting process so from early on, you know, uh, mm. early on in my life like that, um, was like, yeah, I want to do this because I thought they were so cool. You know, it's like that's so interesting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, that is cool that you're exposed to it so young. I feel like I often hear people being like they didn't get into like really knowing what songwriting was until they were like. 13 like older but that's cool. i was forming so, my own you've been in it from the start by myself um from like earliest i can remember is like kindergarten i think what? my mom was saying that i was that's like so yeah wow just, just writing little melodies you know like to myself um before i even knew how to play anything and then she got me my guitar at nine and after nine it was all over like throughout all of middle school i was just writing you're in it yeah i was in it that was the coolest yeah, thing, yeah. That's cool. I feel like I remember I mean, I didn't start songwriting until I was like twelve, mm-hmm. like kind of older, like not really songwriting, but I do remember um like I would throughout like my school days be like humming to myself, be like, I'm sitting on the <laughs> yeah. chair, like just like like narrating my life yeah. in like song <laughs> No, same, honestly. That's kinda that's kinda yeah, I think that's kinda how you really start, you know? Um in yeah. sixth grade, my English class, we had um, we had to write in our notebook every day, just mm-hmm. like as an initial grade every day. Um, mm-hmm. And so I took that as a challenge. Actually, no, this was seventh. It might have been seventh grade. Either sixth or seventh grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took that as a challenge to write um, a song every night, which is what I did. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I can- you're so ahead of the curve. <laughs> it was, I think it was really, I think, yeah, I think it really strengthened my songwriting um, very, very early on in my life. Yeah. I even though I ended up losing that notebook, which was very dark. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that's but so it also sad. taught me, like I think, a lot fear. not to like, be so precious, you know, with things. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. That oh, wow. Cool. Story. cool. Oh my god! Yeah, everyone's usually like, yeah. And then when I was older, you're like, came out of the womb just ready to be a musician. You came out of the womb writing. I was honestly bred to make music. Like to to be honest, really, it really do feel that way because Mm -hmm. like, you know, I I don't necessarily like no one in my family is necessarily musical. Just like I said, even my aunt, even though she Mm -hmm. loved and appreciated music, you know, Mm -hmm. she didn't play anything. She couldn't sing. You know, she had to kind of like have her ideas be filtered through her musician friends. Mm-hmm. Um, right. 
but I was always exposed to music and my family always loved music and I think just constantly being surrounded by that and them always just kind of they've always kind of just been very free artistic spirits as well and love so that. yeah love that your records your sound has really evolved throughout all of them and whenever you release music there's always some sort of like refreshing aspect and new sound is that Mm -hmm. something that you do intentionally or does it just kind of come from influences of things that you're hearing and things that you're seeing at the time um I think a a mixture of both you know Mm -hmm. I think um I really like to like regurgitate anything that I'm taking in Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so the things that I take, like, I listen to a lot of music, but the things that I, I listen, like, I listen to a lot of music, but I listen, the things that I really, really love, I listen to a lot. And I'm, like, really yeah, obsessive. definitely. So <laughs> kind of, like, essentially, I kind of feel like I will only listen to the same things a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, just naturally, I take that in, and I think it's kind of important for me to to express everything or I guess kind of like regurgitate everything that I take in as a form of mm-hmm. like kind of like homage in a way. Um, yeah, definitely. I just think that it's like really important to me. Um, and and then also each record for me, like I think a lot of people approach records and like I'm going to put my all in this record mm-hmm. and kind of mm-hmm. like make each record like it's going to be their last you know mm-hmm. whereas right. like with each record for me it's kind of like a snapshot of where I am in my life yeah I totally yeah. see that I hear that when I listen to it yeah Definitely. they're kind of just like postcards like for my life <laughs> even they're more kind of like for me yeah because I just like I know where I was mentally physically everything when I go back to like my records and each record and like what each record meant yeah. to me and mm-hmm. like what emotions I was processing during that time and mm-hmm. what I was listening to during that time. Like, it's really kind of just, like, my journal. Like, each period of my life journal, essentially, with each record. Yeah, it's special. It's like a time yeah. capsule. Exactly. And you can see, like, the evolution of your life. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It is true that I, like, a lot of artists are like, oh, this album has to encapsulate everything. But I'm like, well, if you're going to be consistently putting out music, it's going to be, like, this is this is the moment and you like, want to make I feel a like body almost, yeah yeah i feel like i almost like it more when i'm like i love when in songs throughout like a record someone will use like an artist will use like almost the exact same like word or like like reference a, like a specific thing in multiple songs and you're like oh my god like that lets me know like this really is your brain mm-hmm. yeah. like this really is like your brain and your like heart in this music because you can see like how it all translates through so I love that. Yeah, you know, I, it's funny you mentioned that because I love that about songwriting as well. I think, us, again, a lot of artists are scared of kind of like recycling lyrics mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. not even recycling like lyrics, but just like recycling words or like phrases. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, I personally love that. I think it's really cool. I think it's, it, it is, you, you kind of get inside of like each person's mind. I think the artists that, um, does that very well even though you know she's on the canceled chopping block right now is uh right. <laughs> lana del rey um, oh right oh my god we've been talking so much about lana del rey yeah all of this all of this stuff you know uh definitely not team lana right now but uh yeah. i will say 
you know, I was super inspired by her music, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. She was one of, I, I didn't listen to pop music until, like, high school. So she was one of mm-hmm. the few people that, like, showed me that, like, oh, pop can be innovative, you know. Yes. Um, and, you know, she has her catchphrases, like, her recycled phrases that, mm-hmm. you know, creates this whole body of work for her, you know. And yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, she recycles lyrics. I'm like, no, she's creating this whole universe you yeah. know for herself yeah it is it is like a universe it's like the when someone repeats something it's like oh now when i hear that back i know that that's important mm-hmm. to you exactly and like it ma- it makes it more clear like what you're trying to say it ties ideas what it's like in your too. world that's yeah, it, yeah mm-hmm. for sure so the album that you're releasing in the fall or like this year um, you're releasing independently. Mm-hmm. How is like the process creatively and logistically different releasing an album independently or releasing an album with a label? Um, I think releasing independently. Um, because I mean I've released independently since Revelations. Mm-hmm. Um, or since after Revelations. Revelations was the last like album that I released under a label and like did the whole. Mm-hmm you know, album rollout and everything. Whole shebang. The whole shebang. <laughs> um, and and all the other ones afterwards I just did surprise releases. Um Yeah. I love that. I, you know, was self releasing and I didn't want to do the whole rollout. I didn't want to do the whole thing. Um and again, those records were really just kind of like snapshots of like where I am mm-hmm. in my life and I didn't really care about it. like I just whoever enjoyed it enjoyed it. I didn't really care about it to the masses um right because they were all just very personal to me yeah and this mm-hmm. one i it's still personal to me all my music is always personal to me but i think this one um because it is more commercial sounding but also the lyricism in it is a little less personal to me a lot of them are um mm. from observations like there's some songs that are personal there's some songs that are literally just like me retelling other stories that mm. like I've heard or seen. Like one of the songs, yeah, um, is a story about um, that I saw in Unsolved Mysteries, not the new one, the older one. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And uh, and yeah, and I, I really love retelling stories as well. You know. Yeah. Um. And oh my god, there's like a fly in here that's been annoying me. But, um, <laughs> and so. And so, yeah, I think it's been like, oh, he's, you know, self-releasing this record because it's mm-hmm. more commercial. And that was on purpose as well, because I think a lot of people think that there's kind of like a lack of quality if you self-release. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. But I think I think it's always really cool when you see someone in a more um, pop atmosphere self-releasing you know someone yeah, like definitely. a the rapper or like yeah. you know yep um, yeah because it really to me shows that like you don't you know the, i think at the end of the day it's, it really needs to be known that like the artists do not need the industry the industry needs the artists yeah snaps yeah. to that snaps to that you know <laughs> and i think that you know often gets lost on a lot of artists as mm-hmm. well you know because it's so easy to kind of feel like a slave to the industry but you know, I I also was at a point where, like, the industry was just, like, oh, like, he can't make pop anymore. Like, he's always going to do, like, this weirdo, like, whatever the fuck <laughs> shit, you know, he does and, like, blah, blah, blah. 
And also, it was just like a challenge to me to show that like I can still keep this DIY spirit, mm. still continue yeah. the sound that I'm doing that's still DIY to indie, and still make it pop. And you yeah. know, and like, and show you know the industry and show the world. And I think that's what I've been doing. And I think they're like, oh, <laughs> you know, and that's what I yeah. want. So yeah, I think it's me great. Too. I think it's really cool. So you launched a label, which is the coolest thing ever, Accidental Pop Star, which is the coolest name ever. That's a really sick yeah. name. <laughs> Why did you choose yeah. to start your own label and what has the process been like? Um, well, this label, it's less of a label to me and more of a, um, obviously it's less of a label and more of a uh, artist development uh-huh. camp uh-huh. house situation. <laughs> house. Um, <laughs> want it other however you see it um yeah because like i only work with new artists um uh-huh. kind of like from the ruta to the tuta they might have like a few things before it or like whatever but um i kind of just work with really new raw artists and mm-hmm. just kind of like help mold them help build their teams and kind of cool. essentially do this like artist developmental job that like labels just simply do not do anymore because yeah. there's no more yeah, money this is no more money in it, you know, and Mm -hmm. I essentially do this job for free because I love working with new artists and I love taking their talent and their ideas and all of that and helping them kind of like package it together without seeming too artificial and manufactured. Definitely. Because a lot of times, even when major labels are developing, Mm -hmm. they over manufacture the artist. And I think for sure that's bad and i think <laughs> what's who's a better person to work with artists and artists yeah yeah cool i agree yeah sasha and i had been talking about that about how i guess now i think more back in the day it was more like they'd see talent and in the day yeah. and it's yeah. like yeah. it was more like oh this person has potential will help develop this artist whereas yeah. now they look for people who already have a following who've been like putting music mm-hmm. out so mm-hmm. i think that's really cool that it's more artist development for new artists and if they are going yeah. to develop artists, it's like already a like um, social media influencer who mm-hmm. already has like a gajillion followers. Yeah, and it's literally. Like, they don't have a crumb of talent, but you know mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna work towards it because they already have like twenty million followers. So. Yeah, we're like easy. We can do yeah, this. it's tough because like the things that like on the internet attract like fast huge audiences are not like it's not always what would like make like a really interesting like artistic perspective Mm -hmm. like that is harder it's harder to make people like be like instantly like attracted to that well you know who i I like you who (laughs) sean mendez no seriously he wrote it for everyone because now they're just like oh he was a social media star uh-huh. who had talent, right. you know, and, <laughs> and it worked for him because he was actually talented. Yeah. You know, yeah. like he actually had it. Like, I I love a few Sean Mendes songs, you know, don't get me wrong. That's no yeah. shade. But he had the whole industry be like, OK, we're just going to grab any social media star that we see who has like you a know, crumb of talent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, yeah. Sean Mendes. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I mean, I do. I like Shaman. Yeah, I was too, listening but... to Lost in Japan yesterday. Great song. Actually, great song. Great song. Objectively, yeah, it worked great, for him. But did he? But it? like, what'd you do to the? <laughs> so, from like an outside perspective, like some of the things you've done, like 
performing at South by Southwest or like some of these things that look like success from the outside when that like the rest of the world would be like oh that's success in the music industry but when you're actually like a person an artist living it and going through like your musical journey it can feel different so Mm -hmm. like what is success for you and when do you like feel fulfilled by your career and your art I'm successful on a personal level because Mm -hmm. you know I've been self-sustaining myself with my art Mm -hmm. for the last six years of my life that's so cool that's successful to me that's success you know I may not be rich um I you know might not have a gajillion streams and plays but and the weird thing is the weird thing about me specifically is that you know I you know I started off in a mainstream a lot of people like me then I started to veer off into like weirder things which was like more Mm -hmm. like me Mm -hmm. but during that time I gained a lot of um a lot of respect and love from fellow artists yeah which was really funny to me especially in between those two commercial album times um like between my first album and the one that's coming out now um that so many just like like artists like fine artists and painters and um or like actors and like celebrities and like famous mm-hmm. people who like reached out and like loved that music even though it was so obscure and um yeah it wasn't to the wide public you know and I thought that was really cool specifically because you know not to be like you know non-artists you know don't get my <laughs> music because it's so Damn. deep or like you know um but even though the those records were more obscure and was not as much universally loved than, um, you know, I kind of had to like work at creating a sound to make my work more universally loved. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, um, I just think it's just like, that's what, that's what kind of like kept me going and like still keeping my experimental side. It's just the fact that like, other artists who are used to experimenting yeah um, they recognize it they recognize it you know yeah and that's validating you know on a whole other level that like feels successful to me Mm -hmm. you know um and and then I also love the challenge of also making something completely accessible I don't think that Mm -hmm. makes the art more weaker I think it kind of makes it stronger Mm -hmm. when the more yeah. accessible your artist, like that's like dope, you know. Like to me, that's mm-hmm. like that's like a very communist idea. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. for so much, like the most valuable art is um, the stuff that the average person doesn't get. And for people who are listening, I'm saying that with quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and to me, that's such a classist idea. You yeah, know what I definitely. mean? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I do experimental things not to seem cool and not to, like, have these ideas that is, like, above the average like, mind. My mind? Up yeah. Like, yeah. You know, Nobody can tell me I have a sixth sense. I have sense. a sixth sense. Yeah, it's never that. It's just more so I'm going inside myself and therefore mm-hmm. 
that's just going to be more personalized. It's going to be less accessible. Mm. But yeah. when I do make the conscious decision to make something more accessible, that's like dope to me. That's sometimes even better because it's less about me and it's more about me literally giving something for everyone and bringing yeah. everyone into my world. And so it's just, that's why those kind of like when I'm working in both of those spaces, it seems very separate because it is to me in that way because I understand that when I'm more experimental, it's a selfish thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and whoever likes it, that's cool. That's dope. But um, it says a lot to make something that everyone can vibe with. And I think that's that's what every artist should be striving for in some way, yeah. shape, or form. You know? Yeah, I think that makes total sense. I think it's really cool to, like, be consciously able to do both. Because, like, mm-hmm. there's something great about, like, writing something super personal something that super like reflects your mind and where you're at and then there's also something cool about me like okay what sentiment can I take from that and like wrap it in a nice little bow so that like a more like a wider way of people will like listen or connect or whatever I think mm-hmm. yeah being like aware of that and being able to do both is sick it's a super and that's fun. why I love artist development right because yeah. it's taking that raw artist and the raw potential and wrapping it up and putting the bow on it and making putting it the nice, bow on it. <laughs> but without changing the contents inside of that wrapping. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Definitely. So you've done some cool touring, like we mentioned earlier, like opening for Choice Savant, opening for some really awesome people. What is it like, do you, what's the differences for you between like what, the artistic side feels like performing for people and what it feels like writing just like by yourself and creating something how your music translates from being alone and writing it to showing it to crowds of people you know i don't tour that much Mm -hmm. because simply because um touring is hard (laughs) you know it's hard on the body (laughs) and it's hard on the mind Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um and you know i and bipolar and um mm. I always have to put my mental health first and yeah, of um and I did a lot of touring for my first record mm-hmm. um just it was you know pop leaning and I basically toured for almost two years straight wow. oh my god that's which crazy. is honestly nothing compared to a lot of other artists like yeah so you know like someone that. like Mac DeMarco before before lockdown <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I saw him like last fall, and mm-hmm. um, he was like, "Yeah, the most time that I spent home since the beginning of my career was like six weeks." Wow, that's so, crazy. Yeah, and that's that's normal, you yeah. know, for a lot of artists. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. <laughs> um, <laughs> kind of same. Yeah, it's just like exhausting. It just couldn't. But with that said, I'm a live artist. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Perform as much. I like making music for just the aspect of capturing what mm-hmm. I create, but I actually hate recording. <laughs> I hate recording. I I hate recording. I hate the production aspects of recording. I really, mm. I just really hate. I like creating music. I hate recording music. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though, even though you know, I produce, I write, I do all these things, but it's only because. <laughs> I, it feels like a necessary evil to me. Yeah. I don't 
like producing and recording music. I really don't. Um, mm. And that's just because, you know, to me, deep, deep down inside, you know, I've always said this, like, songwriting-wise, I'm a country singer. I'm a folk singer, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You know, songs weren't necessarily written to be recorded, you know? Especially yeah. early on, before recording was a thing. Yeah, it was you passed know? down. It's passed down. And yeah. how did they used to pass it down? Performing. Yeah. And so that's why I love performing. I love, and that's my, obviously the best part and makes all of the like mess of touring worth it is when you step on stage and you're sharing this experience with everyone. Mm, yeah. And I think a lot of times um, my music doesn't make sense until you see it live. And I think mm. a lot of people will tell you that, you know, the few people, because just like I said, I don't tour that much, but the few people who have seen me live, you know, I always have people come up to me and they're just like, I get your music now, <laughs> you know? It clicked. It clicked, you know? Yeah. Which is what I love, and it's the point, you know? And I just, I'm just not a recording artist. I'm a live artist first. I'm a songwriter first. Mm. And just kind of in this digital world that we live in, yeah, recording is a necessary evil. Like you just have to do it. it. You have to do <laughs> it, you know? Do you yeah, prefer, that's super interesting. Like, do you prefer bigger audience or like a smaller intimate type of performance? see now that's like that's a relative question because i think that depends on the person mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like i to me big is still kind of like like a two to three k venue Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um which is what i was playing when i went on tour with um unknown motor orchestra Mm -hmm. and that was like perfect that was like the right size like anything Ideal. that big yeah. and smaller is just like love it um but then also big to someone is like arena which i did an arena tour mm-hmm. Made it. really really yeah because it's just it's it's too big therefore yeah it's, it's not intimate at all yeah you yeah. can't connect with the audience at all you just hear them and feel them but you can't see them you can't really like the yep. energy is just not really there so that's where i cap off like Two to like three K, maybe even pushing five, but arena <laughs> sizes. I guess five is arena. No, arena sizes is like what twenty I don't know. I don't know the size. And I know eventually if I want to do what I want to do, I'm gonna have to eventually like play a few here and there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't necessarily have to do the tour. If I get to a place where I am playing that size venue, I'd rather do multiple venues in one city. Yeah. Which is not unheard of. A lot of artists do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just what I would just like to keep in mind for the future. But, like, if it's too big, yeah, I'm not a fan. Yeah, that's fair. So moving forward, what are your musical goals and what are your goals with your label as well or your artist development? Um, the future. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I think I, I have pop star goals, you know, Um <laughs> you know I hell think, yeah <laughs> i think i'm finally at a place where like i know myself as an artist mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. when i came out the gate as a quote-unquote pop star mm-hmm. uh i was not ready and i didn't know what that meant for me and accidental pop star that's where the name comes from you know <laughs> um, no way <laughs> and, and, and it is it's just like i was an accidental pop star for so mm-hmm. long and i think it took time for me because I think, I do think that I'm a natural born pop star. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, yep. you only become an accidental pop star if you're meant to be a pop star. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I just wasn't ready for it, you know, at the time. Um, but I think now I am. And uh, because, you know, I've developed my style and I've, I've found ways to make who I am as an artist and my sound as an artist um, work in a pop format, which mm-hmm. means that it's more malleable now, you know, right? Um, and less rigid. Um, and... And so, yeah, so I I don't mind going full pop star now. And that's kind of the goal. And that's obviously kind of like where I'm headed, just even from like the first single from this next record. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are like seeing now. And I think it's really funny because a lot of people, you know, from the Ratchet days, they're like coming back and they're just like, oh, shit, Shimmer's like, like back back. Like, <laughs> yeah, back back. And it's just, it is just, like, so funny to see, because it's just, like, yo, like, I just took a break. Like, you know, it wasn't, it was never, like, I can't make pop anymore. It was just so much that, like, pop was too easy. And it still is, like, very easy for me. But I've, I've found a way to make it challenging for myself and interesting for myself. um, Yeah. That not only works for me, but works for everyone else. Sid, guys, don't worry. I was born a pop star. Don't <laughs> yeah, even, like, don't, don't even sweat it. Don't, don't, even. don't, you know. And I think that's what people are like realizing though. It's just like, yeah. Oh, Next, Sean Mendez, me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I more like what the next Madonna, basically, because like, oh I'm, hell yeah, Love I'm it. too I'm too old to be the next Sean Mendez. Like I'm older than him, but like a bit. <laughs> A good few years, so let's say like Madonna or somebody older. That's so funny. Yeah, definitely okay. next Madonna. I'm here for it. Me too. I think you're the next Madonna. Listen, I'm signed listen. on. Borderline by Madonna should have been my song. Okay, that song is like right in my key, right in my vibe. Like every time I hear that song, I'm like, how is this not me? I'm claiming. I even feel like I even feel like. Well, I guess I kind of sound like Madonna in that song, or like mm-hmm. Madonna sounds like me in that or song. Or does Madonna like, sound like exactly? Madonna sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, she sounds like me, even though she didn't know it, and I wasn't born until like 15 years later. But like, there's some sort of funny business here, but I'm telling air. you, it's me. That is yeah. yeah. That's that's how I felt the first time I heard it because I I knew a few Madonna songs, but I didn't hear Madonna or at least that Madonna song, which is now my favorite. Because mm-hmm. um, before that, my favorite is Papa Don't Preach. Mm-hmm. and i didn't hear borderline until i want to say like until i released my first ep my oh, first wow. pop ep before my first record came out um because i was doing kind of like you know the 80s 90s housey pop stuff yeah and, um and i was like oh my god how can i miss this song like, how is this so not on my ep i don't <laughs> yeah exactly it honestly i feel like borderline could have fit on my first ep perfectly that's so funny i love that <laughs> Okay, so you mentioned, like, your song, On My Own, has become Mm -hmm. sort of, you mentioned this in a previous interview, like, a quarantine anthem, like, accidentally, or maybe it was fate, I don't know. But how do you feel that external events, like, impact how you write music? And, like, sometimes I feel like I've been feeling recently I can't write about anything else than, like, the world state right now. I'm just, like, there's too too much in my mind. So, like... What is that like for you? How does it come through? How does the world come through in your songs? I think it depends, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I think something like On My Own was fate and the right timing completely, mm-hmm. you know, because I wrote it last summer. Oh, so, 
Yeah. <laughs> You're oh. predicting the future. Yeah. I've written oh, in the no. stars. <laughs> oh, no. A lot of times, you know, Courtney Love, who's one of my biggest influences, mm-hmm. you know, she said that her alert are psychic in that way because, you know, she wrote Live Through This mm-hmm. and recorded Live Through This after Kurt Cobain died. And mm. all of those songs and even just the title of the album, Live Through This, you know, took on a whole new meaning. Whole new meaning, yeah. And, you know, she said while she was writing it that, you know, she felt like it was an otherworldly thing. You know, she didn't really know exactly the moment what those songs were about. And then mm-hmm. it took on a life of its own. And that happens to me a lot. That mm-hmm. happens to me a lot. And I think that's an example. And when I do kind of write about the world around me, I really have to take time to process. Like, I just kind of wrote my first song mm-hmm. that's kind of just like, very much about the world right now and mm-hmm. what's going on with me now and everything um and you know that's after however many months mm-hmm. and even you know my song i can't breathe mm-hmm. which you know came out two years ago mm-hmm. and still unfortunately is more relevant than ever yeah now. but you know i wrote that song about tamir rice and um eric gardner mm-hmm. you know t- what two the three three four years mm-hmm. after that happened because I needed the time to like process that yeah definitely and so that's that's just kind of like how I am like I I rarely ever write about current events but when I do it's usually after the fact because I have to have I just have to process it and I have to make sure yeah. that I'm approaching it with nuance and yeah. like and it's dealing with something dated but still make it um dealing with a topic that is dated but make sure making sure the song isn't dated yeah and so the best way to do that is to give it time yeah get some perspective perspective. yeah yeah Yeah, jinx (laughs) (laughs) well life is kind of a roller coaster and yeah yep it definitely is (laughs) and as a musician or really any type of artist expecting yourself to provide commentary or insight on your life or just the world at large is kind of a lot at times. Um, yeah. How important do you think self-care is for an artist? And what are some ways that you like to practice self-care? Mm-hmm. Listen, self-care is so important <laughs> for one. artists. Yep. It's so important. Like, it, artists need to realize that self-care is a whole other job for them. Yeah. And I think that's really hard artist to like admit and mm-hmm. realize and understand i think the artists that do know this now probably went through a lot of bs to get to that point yeah um, me being one of them <laughs> um but i think it's the artists like myself we did go through a bunch of bs to get to that point job to constantly be very loud about look yeah this needs to be a full-time job you need to like Pretty much your mental health and self-care comes first before anything, Yeah, you know? And, like, you have to let your team know. You have to let your management know. You have to let your, you have to let your, um, you have to let your, uh, agents know, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and just, you know, it's so easy to put yourself second to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and. Even the industry and the people that are around, that are around you might make it seem like it's life or death or it's end all be all. Yeah, like you have yeah. to like do this and like it's for the good of the team, it's for the good of the company. You know, no, 
No. You yeah. you aren't you the company aren't nothing if you're not okay. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think you know, I saw a tweet not too long ago. Um, I think like yesterday or something. Um I forgot specifically what it said, but it was like something along the lines of just like um you know, people love to make fun of like the Britney Spears breakdown. But, yeah. you know, later on we come to find out that, like, there was, like, it's, it was completely understandable what yeah. she went through, mm-hmm. you know? Like, knowing what we know now about the industry and how it mm-hmm. works, like, it's no wonder, you know? Like, she wasn't the crazy one. She was in yeah. a crazy industry. Yeah. You know? That would make anyone go insane. It definitely you know? would. And I think, and I think, you know... It's it's so true. Like you you have to be the one to to get yourself together because like I mean even even just like looking at Britney or you know Amanda or like even Kanye you know these people have these meltdowns. Yep. And everyone is like, what are their teams doing? Mm-hmm. What yeah. do they have anyone around them that is like, can you not? You know. <laughs> And it's just, like, it's sad because they don't care. They're just, like, as yeah. long as they're making me money, we don't care. And that's sad, Love you know? Love living in a capitalist society. Yeah. No. We Listen. are. <laughs> no one cares. Listen. It's only expectation and that's it, you know? Yeah. So, therefore, it's up. It sucks. Because it shouldn't be like this. Mm-hmm. Especially if the artist is mentally ill. But it's mm-hmm. up to us to be the ones to say no and to put our you know, mental health first and to take care of ourselves. You kind of have mm-hmm. to be selfish in that way. It might feel bad, but it has to be done. Yeah, I totally agree. And there's so much like with songwriters and like musicians being like, oh, like songwriters are have like awake at three in the morning writing like heartfelt songs every night or that you can only write when you're sad or like all these things that I'm hearing. But I'm like, if, this, if you're going to be doing this every day, you got to find a different way to approach yeah. that. And that's another that's another thing too. I think that also goes back to like I'm not saying you should never write sad yeah, songs no. and like blah 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 blah. But I think that's another um, great thing about giving yourself perspective before mm-hmm. you write about things. Because mm-hmm. even my personal songs, I have to give myself perspective as well. Yeah, um, I don't like writing in the midst of my emotions. Yeah, it's too clouded. Um, yeah, then it's, it's just emotion, clouded. and it's not like clear what you're trying to say it's not clear it's too clouded and then it kind of goes back to this weird really messed up um romanticizing of mental health problems with artists and and music and artists kind of like thinking that they have to be this emotional mess to create Mm -hmm. um and i'm not sure that's healthy but also i'm not saying that like artists you know, I'm not trying to police out my yeah. streets. Like, do do that. Do you, know? you want, but also take care of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Very, you took the word to me. <laughs> yeah. And just, like, if, and if you are going to work in that kind of, like, emotional state, you know, just like you said, give yourself some time after. Mm-hmm. You know, take care of yourself. That Think about ways that you can um, kind of, like, mend those emotions after you worked in them yeah you know what i mean definitely because i think a lot of artists kind of like work in those emotions and then 
mask on. Yeah. Or yeah. go That's to Toronto. That's beautiful. I'll mend them after you yeah. work on them. Yeah. 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 You know, artists feel things deeply, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you got to, yeah, pay attention to that. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. This was such a yeah, good conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. No. You are the coolest. The coolest. Oh, my God. Y'all are the coolest. I was not expecting, like, cute little babies. <laughs> I I didn't know. Like, I didn't really know. Like, you know, I was just like, oh, yeah, I like a celebrated podcast. I'll do this. <laughs> um, and it's, like, even doper to see that y'all are, like, uh-huh. young and, like, killing it and, like, doing thank it. You. So, thank you. We try. Yeah. We try. <laughs> This makes me even happier. News of the day, we love Shamir. (laughs) We absolutely adore Shamir. We adore Shamir. My new favorite person. Yeah, that was like the best conversation. That was so so interesting. You're so open and the nicest person. Nicest. Okay, we're back with Song of the Week and Woman of the Week. Um, Do you want to go first, Tanique? Yes. So my song of the week this week is Love You for a Long Time by Maggie Rogers. Oh, you'll make me cry. Stop. I, if I, like, I hope I didn't say this. No, I don't think either of us has said it, which honestly is shocking me now because yeah. that's like, if audience, that is like our song. Like if Anik and it I is. were to um have a song at our wedding, that would be it. That would be the song. What's that funny, would be the so, song. I mean at first i'll say why i mean the song is just honestly the best song ever it, it is, is so good it's one of those songs where there's like not a line that's like out of place yep and it just feels like sunshine and happiness like from the start of the song to yeah. the end of the song it's just so happy it feels like waking up on a sunday morning the mm. sun is out it's shining the air is so crisp and fresh it's just amazing the air is crisp i want that song to play at my funeral I want that song to Honestly, play at my wedding. Wedding, every major Everything. life event of mine, that song. I want that song, I want that song playing. I want everyone I know and love time. dancing to it. Same. <laughs> and like, it just, how can you not dance to it? I always dance to it. It just makes me want to put on like I'm a big flowy dress and like spin around in circles. Yeah. The first time I heard the song, I was at Sasha's house mm-hmm. and we were working on our EP, the Dream Kid EP. Yeah. And it wasn't like out yet, but we were just watching live performances of Maggie Rogers. And we're like, oh my gosh. Weren't we song. on a walk? We, you wanted, you came here and you wanted to go on a fall walk because Anik lives in Florida and it's really hot. And I live in New England. So there's actually leaves falling and everything. And you wanted to go on a fall walk. And so we listened to it. We listened to, like, it wasn't out, like, the song. Yeah. It was just, like, the YouTube version of her performance yes. while we were on the walk. And it was so good. We were singing it the rest of the weekend. Yeah. And, like, the rest of the days that I was here, we were singing it. And then when it came out, I was just so happy. I, I was so happy. There is no way it's not going to be, like, my top played song of 2020. I've listened to it so many times. <laughs> what was your top played song of 2019? 2019, my top played song was Cringe by Matt Mason. Oh, cool. Mine is so embarrassing. What is it? I didn't even think... No. Oh, actually, mine wasn't embarrassing, but, like, the list of ones was there was one that was pretty high on the list that I was like, that shouldn't be there. <laughs> what is it? But the my actual top know. played song of the year was um, The Internet by John Bellion, which I did listen to a lot mm-hmm. of my love, that song, and I think that song's great, but the one that I was like, oh, which I also think that song's great, but I was like, I didn't know I listened to that that much, was Jello by Pretty Much. It goes wiggle 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 wiggle. (laughs) Oh my god! Right, it's so funny. And I was like, little did I know. Apparently, that song was playing a lot more than we suspected. (laughs) 
you thought it was like oh, i played this a decent amount of times and in reality you like played every it day. <laughs> like every single day i mean to be fair i have a lot of dance parties like it's my way of de-stressing and that song is just a good dance song mm-hmm. they go like when you walk away something i can see the penny in your pocket you don't even know you got it yeah 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 <laughs> sometimes you just have to wiggle wiggle, wiggle sometimes you out. just have to wiggle 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 anyway that was my wiggle song okay <laughs> love you for a long time is a great song love that song my song mm. of the week is really special what it's it? um poison by anique blaze <laughs> by That's you so nice. you yourself and you um poison is a song by the wonderful artist anique blaze who just happens to be on this podcast right now and every week um this song is brilliant it's amazing it's show stopping it's her first single everyone should go listen to it it's heart-wrenching okay and the melodies are great you're the poison that i drink too often like Anique just has a voice like an angel and it's smooth and buttery Mm. and relaxing and the song is just the song is great so go listen to it it's my song of the week every week you know it really is and everyone go listen to poison by Anique please and my heart out why don't do yourself a favor and listen to it thank you yeah and listen to everything Anique does because Sasha also co-wrote on poison so yeah (laughs) She is I feel like I'm self-promoting amazing. myself. <laughs> well, I mean, just to say, she is a genius. She also worked on it. It was just stuff. a little, but it was really you, and I just, like, at the very end was, like, bridge. You know, I have a we thing about a bridges. Bridge. I have a thing we about bridges. Bridge. I get, like, significantly triggered when I'm in sessions, and people are like, what about, like, I mean, I I get less triggered now because I realize that sometimes it's really a fight for a bridge, and I'm if I'm just, like, <laughs> exhausted, I'm like, I can't do this right now. But I, I used to be, like, people would be like, um, how about we just bring back, like, the pre-chorus or whatever, like, that meme was. And I'm like, guys, are you weak? Like, we try harder. <laughs> like, how about we, we take a break, we eat some food, we come back, and we, we use our brains. <laughs> and we write a bridge. Anyway, yeah, so Anique had this song, All Beautiful, All Done, and then I just added a bridge. But and Sasha said a little, a little sprinkle. It was just a little just sprinkle. But it's really so good it's really Anique and, and her wonderful talent. and You are too kind. And angelness. Thank you. Angelicness. I always say Anique literally is human sunshine. Aww. I did. I said that in your birthday post, I think. that's. I, I know. I love that. <laughs> but that's what I think. So that's what everyone should think. I'm sad if you read it and I'm like, I better now. <laughs> that's so funny. Okay. Woman of the week. Your turn. All righty. My woman of the week is Victoria Monet. And she is <sighs> an Victoria. American <laughs> She's a singer-songwriter. She works a lot with um, Ariana Grande, which I really love because they're best friends. And I just love when friends get to work together and yeah. make magic. I think it's the coolest thing yeah. ever. And I saw her talking about it in an interview where she did like Lyric Genius and Monopoly where they said it fe- like it's a cheat code because mm-hmm. like it's not supposed to be this easy. Yeah. I think that's the coolest thing ever. She also speaks out a lot about like being bisexual because she feels like there are a lot of people. <laughs> the what? I said word. A lot of people <laughs> just kind of like don't see it as like a real thing, which is dumb. That's They're dumb. Like, mm, that's not true. Like you either like one or you like the other. And she's like, no, um, like, I'm in the industry. We exist. Wow. I love and that. yeah. So I think that she's super cool and she like speaks out on issues, which I think is 
really important when you have a platform. I agree. To use it for good. And yeah, she's just a really cool person. She signed to Atlantic and she does like pop, R&B, hip hop, Mm -hmm. you know, woman of many trades, worked with a lot of different artists. She's won two Grammys, which is just so cool. Snaps. Snaps to that. She popped out the womb a pop star, not unlike Shamir. That is the level of confidence I really need to have. I need to be like, listen, guys. I need to. I actually was born a songwriter. (laughs) I was. This is actually what I was. This is what I. I love that. I think it's cool too that he was talking about how like his mom listened to Nina Simone when he was yeah literally in the womb, and then it kind of felt like something he already knew. Yeah, I used to do that to Coco and. My little sister, when my mom was pregnant with her, I used to sing to her. I'd be like, you're going to have good taste in music. You're like, whether you like it or not. (laughs) If there's anything I can do about it, you're going to pop out of this room and you're going to listen to great things. Yeah, (laughs) you're going to be great. Okay, my my woman of the week is actually a band that is, it's kind of funny. It's a funny one. Avenue Beat. They are the ones who I sent you the low-key fuck 2020 song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is so funny because I saw it on this. St- I saw that that like little song has gone like viral in the past like week or something. And I saw mm-hmm. it on the story of Judy Stakey, who I went to one of her songwriting programs things. And mm-hmm. I was like, sh- and on her story, she was like, this song, like their feelings are expressed like so <laughs> like directly and like compactly and like it's great she's like love this song and i listened and i was like (laughs) i was like it's hilarious i mean this song is fully a bop took over my life it's (laughs) it's hilarious but then i went and um listened to some of their other stuff and they just have like it they're a lot of fun they have a song called be a bro and it's just about like being like a good friend and they're like if she needs a hair tie, give her your hair tie. Like mm-hmm. going through, and I just think I just think it's funny. I like we've talked about like um, s- like songs or and stuff that doesn't they don't like take themselves too seriously. You're like sometimes I'm just trying to say something conversational and like and like that is causes a little bit of a giggle, you know. And I think they do that, and it's a lot of fun. And their fuck twenty twenty song is hilarious. <laughs> Low key fuck twenty twenty. Anyway, yeah, so that's my woman's plural of the week. We've been doing a little cheat there. We've been last week I did two people. <laughs> it's okay. I was like, they're a duo. I can't split It's them just up. you, like, put it all. It's just, you know, the more women, you know, and cool people we can promote, the better. Mm-hmm. It's fine. We can have multiple women of the week. We always say we that. You're my woman of the week every week. And then and every, every week. week, okay? Okay, if you liked what you heard and you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and download the episode. If you liked what you heard, I'm stumbling over my words, and you are listening on iTunes, you can follow and leave a rating, five-star review, and a, and a little comment. And if Go you're listening right on SoundCloud, you can follow and like, and you can also comment on there too. It's not really a review, but you can if you want to say something. We'll, we're happy to we're happy nice happy to read it. <laughs> um, yeah. If you want to keep up with all things songwriting saves the world? Yep. You can go ahead on Instagram and follow us at song songwriting at saves song- the world. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's Twitter. Instagram is at songwriting saves the world. Yep. We post weekly. 
Um, we post more than weekly. And, Give us more credit. Yeah, no, we post week, like we post every week. I know, but we post like three times a week. We don't want to scare you away. <laughs> we post multiple times a week, so you know we're active. It really just keeps you keeps on you your guessing. toes. Will we post next? We don't know. <laughs> and you can also follow us on Twitter. Not like we have a very worked out pattern or anything to get our color scheme. It's not like you could probably guess what we're gonna post. Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing like that. <laughs> Hope you don't think that we do that. Um, you said Twitter and Facebook. Then Twitter. <laughs> Our Twitter is at Song Saves World because you can't. Twitter have handles, handles are shorter. They really just did us dirty. We don't. We don't understand. And then also on Facebook, you know, your aunts, your uncles, your mother, your father, your grandmother, your grandma, whoever your cousins, is on Facebook, whoever you know that's on Facebook. Songwriting saves the world. Like that page. Yep. Just click like. Alerts on. Yep. And you know. And it's great. And if you really, really liked what you heard and you want to support I us, really like, like it. Oh my god, you really liked it. Like you loved it. Then you can go and become a patron on our Patreon at Songwriting Saves the World for four dollars a month. You get extra content from the guests, including song breakdowns of our favorite songs from each artist, telling you how that song came to be, how the song got to this world. And as well as like song critiques from things people send in to us and special messages and a um songwriting saves the world laptop sticker it's pink it's pretty i'm looking at it right now it's right in front of me it's on both of our laptops and you should have it too because we want you to have it (laughs) we really do we really do so yeah for four dollars a month you get all that stuff and big hugs and kisses from us so thank you so much everyone for listening to this episode thank you hope you you enjoy for tuning in we appreciate you giving us your time yep Okay. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Even in the dark, I see your face.